वक्रतुंड महाकाय सूर्यकोटिप्रभाघ्न कुर मे देव सर्वकारेशु सर्वदा श्री गणेशाय नम ओं श्री स्वामीनारायणाय नम ओं श्रीकृष्णाय नम ओं श्रीराधाकृष्णाय नम ओं श्रीलक्ष्मीनारायणाय नम ओं श्रीनरनारायणाय नम ओं श्रीवासुदेवनारायणाय नम ओं श्रीरामनारायणाय नम ओं श्रीशिवनारायणाय नम ओं सर्वे गुरुभ्यो नम ओं नमो हनुमते भयभंजनाय सुखम कुरु भट्स्वाहा ध्यानमूल गुरोर्मूर्ति मंत्रमूल गुरोर्वाक्यम पूजामूल गुरोर्पदम मोक्षमूल गुरोर्कृपा तमेव माता च पिता तमेव तमेव बंधुश सखा तमेव तमेव विद्याद्रविणम तमेव तमेव सर्व मम देवदेव श्रीकृष्णाय नम राधाकृष्णाय नम ओं नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओं नमो भगवते रुद्राय श्री गुरुस्त्र अखंडमंगलाकार व्यान चराचर तत्पम दर्शित मेन तस्म श्रीगुरव नम अज्ञानतिमरांद ज्ञानाजनशलाकया चक्षुरु मिलन तस्म श्रीगुरव नम गुरुर्ब्रह्मा गुरुर्विष्णु गुरुर्देव महेशर गुरुरव परम ब्रह्म तस्म श्रीगुरव नम श्रीगुरुभ्यो नम वेलकम टू डेली सत्संग वी आर कंटिन्यूइंग आवर एक्सप्लोरेशन एंड कॉन्टम्प्लेशन ऑन दि गुरुस्त्रोत्र वर्स नंबर थ्री दैट इज गुरुर्ब्रह्मा गुरुर्विष्णु गुरुर्देव महेश्वर एंड टुडे वी आर गोइंग टू कंक्लूड विथ द फोर्थ नेम ऑफ भगवान विष्णु भूत भव्य भवत प्रभु इन दी विल स्पेंड मेनी सेवरल मोर डेज मे बी अबाउट अदर वीक सो फ्रॉम विथ रिगार्ड्स टू नेम्स फाइव एंड फाइव थ्रू नाइन एंड देन वी विल स्टॉप देर देन कंटिन्यू टू शिव आफ्टर दैट and then we will get to the mool tatva mool parvatma that will be more metaphysical after that so yesterday uh, I, as i mentioned today uh, that we are going to examine what is meant by the future and this is something very relevant in our lives because we are always thinking about the future we are always wanting something to happen later on obviously there is a planning process going on within our minds in my mind in your mind we are always planning for what we want to see happen next now that ability has to be in place uh, hold on one moment please so so the ability to think about the future is a cognitive neuropsychological ability that has been placed within the brain within the mind as a power by the creator of god bhagwan because we can assume that there is an ultimate creator from whom this creation has come that is the biggest that is the more just a broader idea of something called karya karana sambandha in vedanta karana means cause the cause of all causes that does not have any other cause and the karya karya means the effect so the human body the mind the abilities all of that is part of the effect and then there is a relationship between the cause and the effect that is called 
that is called karya karana sambandha as part of that relationship we have the ability or we have been given the ability to think about the future now if we probe that a bit further we will find quite a bit of interesting truths there thinking about the future occurs in the present in our life we understand that the ability to plan for the future is part of the mastery of one's life so that ability has to be in place you know it's a different matter to say yes we are worried about the future that's a different thing but the ability the capability to carefully systematically mindfully and i would even say in a uh divine way with divine bhav divya bhav to plan for the future is is absolutely necessary and we have that ability assuming the brain works properly so we use that ability to plan for the future and all that really means is we are planning for different potential present experiences hence again the word prabhu means master so the mastery of what we are wanting to experience in the present or a potential presence the future is nothing but a potentiality in the present so to masterfully plan masterfully decide means one is not trapped or caught within the within the realm of time hold on one second please so so the ability to perceive one's life as it is the ability to see every dimension of one's life the 12 dimensions that we generally talk about in the EPE program which are universal for everyone to see them without bias without distortion without any kind of an egocentric process going on that perception of one's life in the present is the foundation for the development of the right vision for the future i hope that point is clear i hope it is clear to me more than anybody else <laughs> because we are not clear about our present life and, and and unless we can steadily carefully observe every aspect of our life and particularly the sustaining aspect of our life which is the vishnu tattva unless we can do that we will not be able to freely and and um beautifully plan for the future we will the, the planning for the future will also be quite mixed distorted and it will also be a continuation of the mixture and uh, ignorance that we have now so we don't want that we don't want to be in a state of confusion ignorance distortion bias um uh, 
any kind of energetic damage. We don't want any of that thing. So if we don't want that, if I don't want that, if you don't want that, then we can connect with Paramatma through devotion, bhakti, and any other sadhana, ask for blessings, for wisdom and realization, so that, so that the mastery in the present continuously abides, not simply at some brief periods of time. Generally, that's what happens. We have some periods of time we feel things are really well balanced and things are clear. And then as time goes on, as life goes on, it, again, there's the same confusion, some, some past vasanas and problems and difficulties. These things tend to repeat. So that's the other aspect here, that the Bhuta Bhavya Bhavat Prabhu, that the past experiences are a guide but freedom from the entanglements of the past is living fully in the present. But the entanglement of the past is what? What is that? It is patterned repetitions, pat old patterns that continue to afflict the individual. And then that affliction in the present continues in, into the future that I want is the I that wants again and again to repeat old experiences that have already been finished with but they are brought back to life simply because the human mind has not discovered the Atma. The discovery of the Atma is implied in the fourth name Bhuta Bhavya Bhavat Prabhu that one who is beyond the past. So the interpretation of the word Prabhu, it can also mean, yes, mastery, but also the fact that Prabhutva means that you have transcended time. Transcendence of time is, is realization of the Atmatattva. Atmatattvam shodhyam namasvaha. We do this mantra in the Chandi part. When the Atma Tattva begins to reveal itself, that is who we actually are, naturally one is beyond time. And naturally the past, present, future, even though they are within one's experience, there is not at all any sense of being caught through the mind in the time, in the, in the realm of time. It is called Kalatitam, beyond time. So this is the psychological time that we are beyond. Yes, in Samadhi one can go beyond the calendar time also. And in states of Samadhi one can get into the trans, uh, the cosmic time, the trans-cosmic time, and then eventually into the Akshara Brahma that doesn't have any time. There's no time over there at all of any kind. Because time is a movement within Prakriti. Our body is also is a, is a wave on the ocean of the consciousness. So the Jivatma, 
we say Jivatma because the Jivatma says, I am Sachin, this is my past, this is my present, this is my future, this is my family, this is my house, this is my this, me and mine, me and mine, me and mine. So in the relative world, that, that exists for the Jivatma. And that also needs to exist functionally, as we have stated before. But beyond that, beyond its functional realm, anything that the mind is seeking to enhance further the material experience takes the takes that jivatma further away from God and the Atma Sakshatkar. It takes the jivatma further into the jungle of the sansar. So there are two paths. One path leads to going deeper into sansara. That includes family and friends and relatives and vishayas and name and position and power and, and, and in money and this status. It, it includes everything that the sansara is offering, A to Z. There's one path that leads there towards more and more engulfment within the sansara. And, and that is where this time aspect really comes into play. And then there's another path that allows an individual to live in the sansara to extract from the sansara only that what is needed for the development and realization of the i'm sorry for the mental psychological and physical development to create a foundation for the realization of the atma and the paramatma and then that would be mukti so it's a path towards mukti toward path towards liberation living liberation and these are two separate paths they don't actually mix together. Although there is a link between them, which is our, our life itself is a link. In the words of J. Krishnamurti, that would be known as the uh, harmony between the known and the unknown. So there's a harmony between the two. But there is not any time where an individual can, can really you know, go further and get engulfed into the sansara and also be free from it. That's not going to happen. One will just go further and further within it, and the mind will get more and more lost within that. If you want to get lost in something, why not get lost in the divine contemplation? Particularly when, now I'm going to mention something else here. There's eight factors that can be beneficial or maleficent. That means they can be helpful to us in spiritual path, or they can be harmful. This is written in Vachanamrut by Bhagwan Swami and he's written it very beautifully, and here they are. They are Desh, Kaal, Kriya, Sang, Mantra, Shastra, Diksha, Dhyan. There's eight of them. He said all eight, if they are interconnected properly and they are assisting us, they are in the they are beneficial for us, then the foundation is there to go towards the Atma and the Paramatma. Desh, Kaal, Kriya, Sang. I'll tell you what they are very quickly. Desh means the uh, physical environment, the country or the, you know, the, the political system, etc. that is conducive for you to do spiritual practice. Desh, Kaal, meaning the time period that we're living in. The time circumstance that we're living in, is it, is it assisting us? Is it helping us? That's the second one. Desh, Kaal, Kriya, the type of mental and physical activity that is being done by others as well as ourselves, is that assisting us or hurting us? Desh, Kaal, Kriya, Sang, the kind of contact we have, Sangha's contact with those around us. Uh, it, it can be devotees and satsang and spiritual contemplation and higher development, or it could be people who are very much degraded or and everybody else in, in between. 
you know, if you go to pubs and casinos and all those kinds of things, what kind of sangh is there? People whose consciousness have degraded. There's a lot of pain and suffering over there. So that, so then our, we connect with that. If you go to like people who are, you know, or, or even, even people who are rajsik in nature, all they're talking about is money and sexuality and women and this and that. And this is the only thought in their mind. They wake up with that thought and they go to sleep with that thought. We get into contact with such individuals, we will also become part of that. So that is called sangha. Or if we stay in contact with the great sages and great scriptures and, and, and mantras and, 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 uh, and, and different sadhana and all that kind of spiritual activity, then our mind will evolve further into the spiritual dimension. That is Sangha. So Deshkal Kriya Sangha Mantra. Mantra is a, which mantras are we doing? Mantras are very important. They should be given in the right way, performed in the right way. They are, uh, they are a doorway to break out of the bondages of time. Uh, and it allows us to perceive the mind. So that is mantra. So Deshkal Kriya Sang Mantra. In mantra, the intention of the mantra is important. Sometimes, particularly in these, in these Devi mantras, you know, like Kalika mantras and other mantras, some people use them for harm. You know, actually, God doesn't harm anybody. But, but the thing is, it's raw energy, you know, so it, it can have some effect like that. That is why one has to be very careful. It's like a knife. God has given us free will, as I mentioned yesterday. We can use a knife to cut fruits and vegetables and make some nice meals. We can use a knife to hurt oneself or somebody else also, right? So that free will we have. I used to have patients who used to cut themselves with knives and scissors and all that. Suicidal kids. I did that for almost 10 years. I had one patient who had made 60 cuts all over the body. It just goes to show how much damage there can be. And also goes to show how much pain there is in life. You know, so... So this is all part of the mixture of this world. It depends how any, any mantra is used. Mantra is a, is a spiritual weapon. This is my opinion at least. Uh, it is a weapon. You see Bhagavan Vishnu is carrying all these weapons. All the gods and goddesses we have, they all carry weapons. Those are mantras actually. That's what they are. There may be actual like metaphysical weapons or something. That's a different subject. But mantras are weapons to cut through pierce through difficulties, problems, and to produce certain results. The intention behind the mantra must be towards moksha, towards goodness, towards helping others. If the intention is negative, then that negativity will bounce back right on us, and it may be harmful to others also. In our tradition, you know, the rishis used to give shrap, right? Shrap meaning they used to, they used to take water and then they had power so they could, that something would happen to somebody else. That, that power is still available like that. That is why in Shikshapatri Bhagwan Swaminarayan, he said that you don't, he told the sadhus and the paramansas at that time, do not give any kind of negative thought towards anybody. Even if somebody hurts you physically, mentally, this, that, you don't put a negative thought wave out there. Don't give shrap and all those kinds of things. Wish well for them. Chintaniyam hitam chataihi. Chintan hitka chintan kije. Wish well for them because you'll... The moment you start giving a negative thought towards somebody else, you are getting bound with that person. Yeah, I mean, e e even the positive thought is like that. The sat sattvic thought is also another bondage. And so is the tamsik and rajsik thought. You know, so rather than any of those three, sattvic, rajsik or tamsik, have a divine thought that the Paramatma is there. This is a play of Prakriti and we are not to be caught in that play of Prakriti then one is not caught in the Sattvogun also. Because we can get attached to people because we have so much affinity through Sattvogun. Oh, this is a really good person, really awesome person, this person, their good qualities. Yes, see all that, respect that. But then we can get attached to the Sattvogun too. 
and that is more difficult to cross. You know, we get attached to sattvic people, particularly people on spiritual path get attached to sattvic people and they get bound to them also. That is why the nirguna state is, is where the Paramatma is seen everywhere. Sarvatra Samabuddhayaha, Bhagavad Gita. There is no attachment towards anybody. There is the acknowledgement and vision of Paramatma existing within all. Because, because you could have, see, the, see what Bhagavad Gita is saying. Sachin is not saying all this. This is all from Gita only. Right? But what Bhagavad Gita says, Vidya Vinaya Sampanne Brahmane Gavihastini Shuni Chaiva Shopakecha Panditaha Samadarshinaha. He says, Well, you have a very learned Pandit who, is, who has tremendous spiritual knowledge, great qualities. He has humility, he or she. So, one who is an Atmadarshi saint, how does he see? He sees a big Pandit like that, Vidya Vinaya Sampanne. Such a Brahmin who is, you know, very evolved and learned, then he sees a cow. He sees what Brahmin, one evolved being, then he sees a cow, then he sees an elephant, and then he sees a Chandala. Chandala is someone who is just complete, like in this today's world, we have these people who are, you know, completely tamsik and addicted and, and criminals and all that kind of stuff. They're totally degraded, but they're still alive, right? So, Vidya Vinaya Sampanne Brahmane Gavihastini Shuni Chaiva Shopakecha. Dog eater, that is what it is called. People who are you know, doing all these terrible things, we interpret that way. Panditaha Samadarshinaha. That means that the evolved spiritualist sees them all as equal. Can we do that? See, that is also implied in this verse, Bhuta Bhavyat Bhavat Prabhu, because everything is within the realm of time. And can we pierce through the covers of the three gunas? Time is of course there, but within time also, the, the Satvagun, Rajagun, Tamagun, all of that is there, the three bodies are there, each person's karma is there, everything is in, hidden inside there. So to the vision that pierces through that and sees the Paramatma hidden within, that is living liberation. You know, that is a tremendous state where, where one is no longer bound by the three gunas of Maya. So the eight things that we were talking about, Desh, Kaal, Kriya, Sang, Mantra. We were talking about a mantra, that the mantras are there to help us evolve the mind into the Atma. So that's that. And then Mantra, Shastra, Diksha, and Dhyan. These are other things. Shastra meaning what? These are scriptures. Well, so what's a scripture anyway? Like why is Vishnu Sastranam considered to be a scripture? It is called a Shastra because it is, it is written from a dimension beyond the mind. Ved Vyasji, when he wrote these scriptures, he was in Samadhi, he was in trance, he was seeing beyond from where we are. And it is written from there, that is called Samadhi Bhasha. The scriptures written by Ved Vyasji are all called Samadhi Bhasha and he is considered to be an incarnation of Bhagavan Vishnu also. That in the form of Vyasa, the Lord is present and performing in, in, in giving the knowledge to the people. So, Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, the 18 Puranas, the Upanishads, the Vedas, Vishnu Sahasranam, etc., these scriptures are not created by the human mind. They, have been, they were revealed to Vyasa 
in Samadhi by, the, by God, Paramatma, and then it came into the world this way. That is what uh, we are saying. And how do we know that that's the truth, that, that that's a fact? That's because these scriptures have survived for thousands and thousands of years, generation after generation after generation, and they are time-tested. You know, but if someone studies Vishnu Sahasranam and, and chants it, one is going to experience the Vishnu Tattva. It is a matter of Anubhav. This is the, it's, it's Hindu spirituality is not something which is just faith-based and you're just believing in something, some man-made concocted stuff. It's not like that. It is, it is a development that, that we can experience directly. You know, so when we resonate, so, so for example, if you take this very first verse only, and if these nine names of Bhagwan Vishnu really enter into our being, and we resonate with that, and we evolve, and we listen to the commentaries and the teachings and all, and then, and then do the mantra that is connected with Bhagwan Vishnu, Om Namo Narayanaya, that's one of the big mantras, right? Or Sriman Narayan, like this. There, many mantras are there. Once we connect that way, then the mind begins to resonate, and by the grace of God, the mind begins to get colored by the quality of Bhagwan Vishnu. That these nine qualities that we're just first talking about, nine names, they're also qualities, that the that the human being be, eventually begins to evolve into a form of Vishnu himself. He becomes like Vishnu. He becomes like the Paramatma. Whichever form or Swarupa that we are worshipping, our mind will evolve into that. And this is another biggest point of these things. You know, Deshkar, Kriya, Sang, Mantra, Shastra, Diksha, Dhyan. Diksha and Dhyan is what? Diksha means the path shown by the Sadhgurus. That take this path, follow this path to get to this point. That has been a time-tested path. So many gurus have come. So many great sages have come. What, they, what have they given us? They have given us diksha. Diksha means what? doesn't mean like, you know, simply somebody's giving you some mantra and all that. That's part of it. It's actually a bona fide, time-tested, experiential path of the guru. In the, in the, in the words of Sajanand Swami Maharaj, he would say, in Gujarati, he said, I have, karine siddha I have, what I'm talking to you is from my own anubhav. And that's the best. Second-hand information is okay. One's first-hand anubhav speaks volumes. And that's where we need to get to. Move from the second-hand to the first-hand, as I mentioned before. So, so that is where the dhyana aspect is, that once we begin to meditate on this, the, the full interlocking, interconnected, intersecting aspects of, of the scriptures, it begins to come within our anubhav. It locks together. What is outside it opens from inside. That opening from inside, the interlocking of the different pieces that open from inside, this is the inner worship, inner gnan, and the inner guru is opening. The inner guru is opening. Hence, Guru Vishnu. It is the opening of the inner guru. So, Deshkar, Kriya, Sang, Mantra, Shastra, Diksha. Diksha is the path. Then there are sometimes, you know, these tilaks are given and the different puja sets are given and different kantis are given or different malas are given or some process is given by the Guru that you follow this path to get here because I have traveled this path and I can show you how to go there. That's true in anything. That's true in mathematics and physics and geology and in psychology and it's true with all teachers. The same thing is true. 
सो दैट इज दीक्षा देन ध्यान मंत्र देश काल क्रिया संघ मंत्र शास्त्र दीक्षा ध्यान दिस इज द एथ वन and the most important out of all of these i mean actually they are all connected but the seven lead to the eighth dhyana is what dhyan means meditation it can also mean concentration awareness it it the one word has all of this within it but in the context of what we're talking about here bhuta bhavya bhavat prabhu the word dhyan can mean two very important points one is the awareness full awareness of one's past full awareness of what's going on right now in 12 dimensions of life in the present and based on that creatively mindfully without entanglement plan for the future so that is a type of dhyan you know we we you think of word dhyan is just simply closing your eyes and doing om or something and meditating on the paramatma that is also there but before you get to all that thing our life here has to be straightened out first how in the world we can evolve into the into the higher consciousness and if there is all kinds of chaos going on here so we need to resolve that completely and that is the dhyan that's the eighth thing that bhagwan swami narayan talked about that in that sense that eight that eighth piece is where where we are able to stay in the beneficial aspect of dhyan dhyan can also be negative you know someone who is thinking day and night about about just the vishayas and about the about the experiences of the sansar that is also a type of meditation but it's a type of meditation that is going to make one as a blind person in the forest of the sansar this one is already trapped in the sansar and one becomes blinded in the sansar running mad like a madman blind madman in the, in the for, in the in a forest and is lost in that what ch- what chance is there of coming out of it and what do we see in the world today large numbers of people are blindly running in the sansar madly running in the sansar causing havoc for themselves and others and at the same time at the same time getting trapped for millions of lifetimes in the cycle of birth and death this is the horror of the sansar this is the reality of the sansar you know and if we and it's it's one thing for me to say that but to actually see that and to meditate on that fact is what chapter 15 is about in bhagavad gita bhagavad gita's chapter 15 entire point is you cut the sansar out of the mind and keep your attention on the paramatma the sansar is endless beginningless anadi everyone has said that shankaracharya said ramanujacharya said bhagwan swaminarayan a a to z everybody has stated sri krishna bhagwan that the sansar is anadi you cannot see improving the sansar is is a, is a seva towards the sansar like for example when adi shankaracharya ji wrote all of his scriptures he wrote them for the benefit of the sansar for the benefit of hinduism and whatever it was but at the same time he never forgot who he was and his realization and that is the most important thing you know so dhyan is where we are able to keep the right relationship with the sansar realizing that it is beginningless it is not a problem it's see it's, it's not that we can we can improve the world it's we have to transcend the world the world is going to be as it is it is eternally like this with the three gunas of maya so if somebody says we want to obliterate the three gunas of maya you cannot obliterate the three gunas of maya 
they, 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 are, they are needed and they exist for a purpose. So the Jivatmas can experience Mahamaya. But if we are on that path of transcending Mahamaya, we don't have to have any negativity towards the, the world. We have to see it for what it is choicelessly and at the same time, on a day-to-day -day basis, make sure that we are evolving out of Mahamaya. We don't want to be stuck inside the Garbhavas and Mahamaya and be born again and again and again and again. Punarapi jananam, punarapi maranam, punarapi janani chathare shahinam, iha sansare bahudustar, krupaya pare pahi murari bhajagovindam. If you see all the, all the truth of that, right, right now, just as we have forgotten past, uh, past lives and past parents and all that, with Gyan, we forget the family now. Forget everybody now. We still are with them, but we're not with them. This is a more difficult thing. It might sound shocking. In Vachanamrutam, this is written by Sajanan Swami. Just as you have forgotten all of the past lives, with Gyan, with wisdom and understanding, in your meditation, in your contemplation, leave everybody aside. There's, because, there's, because they're not going to be with you. Nobody's going to come with us when we go. And if we get attached to the people in the family and in the sansar or friends, the more attachment we have, our subtle body will carry that and, it will, and the jivatma will then be connected with those people in, the, in subsequent lifetimes. This is the psycho-spiritual metaphysical truth that has been discovered by the rishis. Now some people say, how the heck do you know that? Does that mean you shouldn't have any good relationship with your family or something? No. On the contrary, there's only love. Not attachment. And non-attachment, non-attached love is exactly what is meant by Bhuta Bhavya Bhavat Prabhu. One is within the past, present, future, the, the, the realm of experience, but there is no stain of attachment. Not at all. There is only the constant flow of love without direction. Non-directional love. This is called the tenth bhakti. Prem Lakshana Bhakti. And if that is there, one is living liberated right now. It's not later on. One is in liberation, in mukti right now, and one is an enlightened being right now. This is the extraordinary idea here. We will continue now tomorrow with, with the fifth name. I'll try to spend maybe two days for each of those, maybe one day. And then, then we will get to the most interesting subject of Bhagwan Shiv. That is one very fascinating subject altogether. So, so it's all the same thing, but different angle, different approach. All right, so here we go.